Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. You're playing Grand Theft Auto? Oh, yeah. That's what this reminds me of. <laughs> yes. I haven't played that forever, actually, the more I think about it. When was the last time you played Grand Theft Auto? Oh, man. When it was Grand Theft Auto 3, like when I was in high school. <laughs> I was going to say, it's been it's been a minute, but uh, this is a this song's a good reminder of it. I'm not going to be that old guy who's sitting there saying, you know, video games I remember are back for losers. But uh, I actually do think video games are very beneficial to kids in certain ways. I learned a ton about sports. And football. Look at this, Ryan Tutel in the studio. I don't know what he's doing. Do you know where he's at? I don't know. What's he doing? <laughs> Did he drive here? Do we need to call him an Uber home? Is that What's his? Is that? I, I swear, when I pull in here, there's a like an abandoned trailer out there. <laughs> I was wondering if Ryan honestly is out there and he's just going to pop in every now and then type deal. 
So no. I, I, you never know. Don't worry about Ryan Tutel. It's not part of the show anymore. It's Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television, and around the planet Earth, like Ryan used to say, on the YouTube and on the live stream. Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz, joining me. Coulter Nuanas right here in studio. And you know what it is. It's the first Tuesday of the month, so that means it's time for the business angle with Justin Angle from the University of Montana Business School. But except I think that Ryan wants to make a cameo here or something. I don't know. He's not on. Just come in here. Is Justin on the phone? Is anybody on the phone? Is anybody listening to me? <laughs> this is phenomenal radio. See, Tutel comes in here. I know. It just screws up the entire thing. Hey, by the way, if you missed anything from the first hour, we got it on the podcast. Uh, good question yesterday from one of our listeners. You can still find it under the Tutel Nuanas podcast for now. We're going to rebrand it as Nuanas now. It's going to be the same feed, so all the subscribers should be able to to roll over. But the podcast, Nuanas Now or Tutel Nuanas, no matter which one it is, is probably presented by both Blackfoot Communications and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Wingate by Wyndham, they got a great January promo going on. You stay two nights in the month of January, and you get a free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing. All you got to do is just, uh, it's just one free beer per customer, but all you got to do is book through the hotel directly. So just Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula, look up the number, go call them, and tell them Nuanas and Riley sent you. Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, making you feel at home even when you're not. And now, it is now officially time for the Business Angle with Justin Angle from the University of Montana Business School. Justin, Happy New Year. Thanks so much for being with us. How you living, my man? Indeed. Happy New Year to you as well. And uh, yeah, I heard your little exchange with Ryan there. And as a branding professor, I have to say, like, key is clarity. Confused customers don't buy. So get your narrative straight. I know. We got to just get too tall out. We got to cut, <laughs> rip the Band-Aid off. It's, it's over. We're starting anew. We're starting fresh. 2021 is going to be a great year. But first of all, Justin, Riley Corcoran, Cor- Riley, Justin Angle, I know this is weird in the COVID times, doing the thing on the phone, introducing some people that are both affiliated with the great university, like the University of Montana. But you guys, here's your, here's your, uh, I guess, radio waves introduction. Yeah, it's like nice to meet you, Justin, from afar. And I know we've uh, we've crossed paths uh, multiple times, but it's great to be talking with you in this form too. Indeed, absolutely. Let's get into it because the college football playoff took place uh, over the New Year's eve into new year's weekend and uh, i have a whole bunch of thoughts on just the the structure of college football in general right now because i think it's a pay-to-play sport i think that the more money you spend the better you're going to be but justin you had a broad question with uh, several different articles that you attached to it uh, just from the the readings that you've done Um, but basically the question was now that we've almost completed the fbs portion of the college football season was it worth it? So lay this out for us, Justin. I mean, broadly, there, there was a lot of different things to be gained and lost from a college football season, and now here we are with a national championship game coming up. Maybe this next week or maybe the week after. We'll see what's happening with all the, the Ohio State COVID testing, but that's here nor there. Break this down for us, though. In your mind, was college football worth it this season? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big and difficult question to ask, and I think what we're going to see and what we have seen a little bit is – people are going to try to quantify the costs. And they, when we say the cost, we say like the cost in terms of health outcomes, how, how many players got infected, how many coaches and staff or, or, you know, we're, we're having some in-person 
uh, of varying degrees across different universities. How did that um, lead to different cases and how severe were those cases and, and you know, were there any deaths associated and how much did it spread? What, I, what I'm getting at is that it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's possible to quantify the health consequences of having these games. What's harder to quantify are the benefits. I mean, we can certainly quantify it in terms of the dollars that these schools, um, you know, and all the associated businesses that benefit when, when the games are held. Um, it's, easy, it, it's easier to quantify those benefits. Um, it's harder to quantify some of the sort of psychosocial benefits, you know, how, how good, how important it is for the psyche of a community, the positive energy in a community, those harder, those things are harder to measure. Um, they are real and there are sort of reasons to, to, um, to take on a risky activity, like having a, a home football game in your community. But I think we're going to see a breakdown here. And then the question kind of for you guys that I think about is, you know, is the championship legitimate? Like whoever wins the championship, or can that champion be considered a legitimate champion or will it forever have an asterisk next to it? Well, I have a question for Riley because he's around student athletes, but I'll answer that question first. I think that at the FBS level, it is legitimate because, and this is just because of the way that I view the landscape of college football as a whole, I think that there's no scenario right now in the current FBS landscape where any teams under any circumstances could compete with Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. I think that yeah. they are spending so much money, they have such a high level of resources, prestige, national recruiting, their coaching staffs, their ability to bend but not break the rules at literally every turn. I don't think it matters who's playing, who's not. I think that we're about to see Alabama versus Ohio State, which in my mind is the two best teams. What do you think, Riley? I agree that it's legitimate in that regard, but the conversation is going to be different depending on who wins this game. Because if it's Alabama, they played a full season, right? If you have Ohio State coming up and they eventually win this, they would have eight wins is all. They bent rules left and right for them week in, week out, month in, month out to get Ohio State eligible to play and just to to meet all of the requirements. So to me, I do think it's legitimate. But if Ohio State does win, you're going to have even more conversations about well, how many times did they adjust the rules so Ohio State could even make it, let alone play and win it? So it's going to be touchy the entire time, but, boy, I, those top three teams are just in a different category. And, Justin, I want to follow up with you about uh, the impact of the psychological and intangible factors on not only a uh, athletic department but a campus community and a community at large. But before that, I want to ask Riley this. One thing that we've talked about, because Riley and I talk to coaches and players frequently, is that the biggest strain that we're seeing, particularly at the mid-major college athletics level, is the complete uh, inconsistency and the complete unknown. The cancellations are prevalent. Like right now, we just had on our sports center read, the Montana State teams for basketball, they have not played a Big Sky Conference game yet. And... on one hand, the schedule catered to them having a bye, but then they got their first weekend canceled. So now they're going to play a Northern Colorado team that's played four conference games and nine total games, and they've only played four Division One games, and they haven't played a Division One team in 16 days, and they haven't uh, played a conference game yet. All of those things are huge disadvantages. But the coaches have talked about the downfalls of the mental health of the student-athletes. So my question for you, Riley, you're around specifically Grizz basketball players this time of year more than anybody 
How do you think that this the overall pandemic and the sporadic nature of the uh, scheduling or lack thereof has affected these guys mentally? Huge. I mean, it's pretty hard to put into words of how much it's affected these guys day in and day out. I think the the one word in all of that culture is schedule. Just to they they operate off a schedule. That's how that's how they're wired every day. They're, of habit. Yes, they they are sent the schedule for. Okay, we're getting COVID tested today. Whatever it might be, practice at ten, study hall at twelve. I mean, every day is. Diagrammed. I think that when you had all the uncertainty of not having games scheduled and still asking the question, are we going to play any of that, that affected mental health greatly, I believe. And you could see it from the players. And I just straight up asked players on road trips, everything in between, how are you at with everything? Where are you with trying to balance everything in between? What are the highlights of your day? What are the negatives? And they do say the highlights are basketball. Sure. And that was huge in that regard. And we have so many different angles, pun intended there, that you could stem <laughs> off of this. But I, I do think it's worth it from the mental health side of things to sure. get these guys back in some sort of routine. I mean, I remember the first Chris practice I went to, Mac Anderson came over and talked to Tutel and I for like 15 minutes. He's like, dude, it's so good to see you guys. He's like, I haven't seen anybody forever. He's like, this is so good to interact with you. But Justin, coming back to it, by the way, it is a business angle with Justin Angle from the University of Montana Business School presented by Blackfoot Communications, analyzing the business angle of all things sports, specifically college sports, as we are here in a college town. And Justin, I want to ask you just about your broad analysis of this because we've talked about it a little bit already throughout the the breadth of this segment. But uh, a school like Ohio State, for example, even if they're having limited to no fans in the stands, they still are producing a fair amount to even a substantial amount of revenue by playing these games because of the TV rights. And it's the same thing with Alabama. I think the SEC payout this year is scheduled to be about 43 to $44 million. So that's something it's hard to walk away from. Uh, so you're not losing all of the money that you could be losing by playing sports. But you know, Riley and I, for example, were at the Grizz basketball game on Monday morning, and we were two of uh, – 12 civilians in the whole arena. Right. They're not making a dime out no. of us. We're, we got our media passes, so they're not making a dime, period. So even though it's a very limited operational procedure, because you're not circling fans in, you're not seating people, you don't need ushers, you don't need ticket takers, any of that, you're still doing nothing but lose money. There's no revenue being produced. So, Bradley, just give us your analysis, Justin, both from the FBS ranks and just college sports in general, this the way that this is working out financially, because it seems like it's a giant money dump for the schools that don't have those big TV contracts. Yeah, again, it is sort of a situation where wealth broadly will get more concentrated at the top schools. Like you said, the Ohio States and Alabamas of the world, I mean, certainly they lose money when they don't put 100,000 people in a stadium, but they have other revenue streams that are more powerful. And the schools in the middle um, and the schools toward the bottom, when I say bottom, I sort of am referring to just general size and stature within college football. You know, they don't have that diversity in their portfolio. They are at risk. They also probably don't have a university that has a, uh, an athletic department war chest built up over years for a, a strong financial performance. So you were seeing universities from small to large cancel various athletic programs, whether it's um, you know, larger sports or, or less well-known sports. But 
for universities like Montana, it puts a tremendous strain on on the finances of, of the athletic department department and that that can spill over in, into the academic function as well not in terms of direct uh, revenue but just in terms of you know it's harder to sell the brand in an environment where you don't have sports as the doormat for the university um, it's harder to get donors excited about things happening when you don't have the positive aspects of, of the games happening in those sorts of things, whether it's uh, in person or virtual. So yeah, these are putting strains um, on universities in a wide variety of ways. That's my next question then, is, is the branding aspect of this. And that's one thing I think that has not been really addressed on on any level of the media commentary when it comes to this. People understand, uh, the, maybe not the necessity, but, but the rationale to trying to claim at least some sort of revenue for what has been right. a, at least an interrupted season, but but not necessarily a lost season. But from a branding perspective, it seems as if uh, maybe the, the and we we talked about this uh, uh, about a month ago. Just the the fervent nature of college fandom, the the tribalism that's associated with it, and I wonder if. Part of this was appeasing a fan base, appeasing donors. It seems to me that there's a lot of people, particularly in SEC country and particularly when it comes to OHIO State University, that they'd rather watch their team play under any circumstances than not, no matter what the consequences. So you wonder how much of this is uh, then brand, maybe not fortification, but a continuance of. What sort of impact do you think this could have, though, on branding around college football? Do you think that actually, ironically, there's a benefit to playing for some of these uh, larger schools? And on the flip side of that, will it impact branding at schools in our neck of the woods? Well, I think there is. There's there's certainly... Well, I mean, the branding question cuts a bunch of different ways. There's there's a benefit just simply in terms of exposure. The more you sort of keep your brand out there in the the popular psyche of of the customer base, the fans, the better it is for you generally. That's why you see, you know, big brands, the Coca Colas, the Ford Motor Companies. These companies just like are always doing Super Bowl ads because they just always kind of want to be top of mind, right? And they're not necessarily advertising a particular product or a particular promotion. They're just sort of doing general brand awareness, brand building um, uh, messaging. And, you know, playing the games will do that. Problem is that playing the games is a risk. And, you know, you have a big COVID outbreak, you have a big outbreak at your university, uh, that could have negative effects on the brand. I mean, I think probably if I were to speculate, those effects would probably be minimum. Um, just knowing the nature of college fandom, like you kind of laid it out there. Um, so you can see why that's a risk maybe from the branding standpoint that university presidents were, were willing to take. Um, you know, I think down at when we're talking about smaller mid-major programs uh, or like a program like the university of Montana, um, you know, we're, we're in, an, in, in an enrollment challenged environment. We need more students. And so if we're not getting our football game, our football team out there playing the games, we're, we're not getting um, the excitement around our events. Um, you know, that's one of the key sources of, of kind of brand awareness in the marketplace that we don't have. And we need all the sort of, um, channels we can get at the moment so yeah this has this certainly has risk for a, a place that's um you know could use a few more students so on that note then spring football is supposed to start 
practicing when school gets back into session here yeah. in less than two weeks. And the first games on the schedule are February 27th, less than two months away. So we don't need to get into the debate of that quite yet. But broadly, is this a chance for uh, a brand promotion or a brand increase if somehow the Grizz can pull off a spring football season? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's one, it's, it's, it's a positive story, right? So we get, you know, people excited about football happening. They miss it. There's like pent up demand for these sorts of events. You know, maybe as we approach better weather and the vaccine gets more broadly distributed, there's going to be sort of a feeling of more safety around these sorts of things. Uh, we'll see sort of how the, how the policy about you know, allowing fans in the stadium uh, evolves, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, this could be a tremendous boon for, for the community and it's an opportunity, um, you know, for some, for some, not necessarily free marketing, but some marketing where we can sort of, we know there's going to be some attention paid to the University of Montana. We could be thoughtful about the, the message that we're, we're putting out there. So yeah, I, 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 I'm bullish about the branding opportunities associated with the football season happening. And I'm feeling like it, it hopefully will correspond with a kind of declining crisis. I, I don't want to sort of be dismissive of it. We got a lot of hard days ahead with coronavirus and we're not nearly out of the woods, but like I said, as weather gets better, as more vaccine is out there in our population, I think it's a favorable setup. And it really stems now, Justin, to that great debate because we are talking about spring football here at Montana where the TV contracts we know are not going to be lucrative enough to kind of outweigh what the cost will be. And I'm putting that in there in the sense that expecting 5,000 or less fans inside of Washington Grizzly Stadium where you know you aren't going to make Mm -hmm. that generous revenue stream that you've been able to rely upon. But at the same time, as Justin was just saying, you are going to have an enormous amount of marketing and brand potential here because of the exposure you're going to have to University of Montana. These playoffs that could happen, I mean, the national spotlight, I think, is another um, interesting prospect to it, too. So, Coulter, Justin, either one of you two, we're we're getting down to the nitty-gritty now where it's, okay, the exposure and the brand, brand marketing, everything is going to be magnified there, but then the costs are going to be so great to pull this off. Is it worth it? I think that's really what all this is going to stem down to. Now, Justin, you go ahead and go first on that. Yeah, the is it worth it question is, is, is a difficult one. I mean, it's going to be costlier, right, in terms of all the testing infrastructure and all the protocols, just the additional stuff you got to do to put together a football game and to sort of run a program. And so, yeah, you have additional costs and you use those costs to generate less revenue, um, particularly, as you said, you know, stadium will be like a quarter full. Um, yeah, I mean, there's probably, you could probably make a strictly economic ar- argument that you should cancel the season. Um, but I think viewing it in terms of the, the value to the community, the value to the brand, um, it's, it's not quite so simple. And I'd like to think that on balance, um, as far as, you know, the, the value to the brand, probably playing the games does more good than bad in the long run, particularly playing them in the spring. But um, that's a hard question to solve, Riley. I agree with your premise there. There's so many factors that go in, into this beyond um, the the medical aspect, the safety aspect, the moral aspect, all of those things, mm-hmm. because I think that there's just some more tangible issues like uh, upcoming 
immediate health department regulations, for example, is there going to be an ability to have 125 to 130 people in a given area to conduct the football practices that are necessary to get ready for the spring football season? Is it realistic to think in Montana with the weather as it is, as vicious and sporadic as it can be during these months, the NCAA rule is you have to have 29 practices in between the beginning of the uh, – when you report, which is usually in August, to the beginning of the season. Now, does the NCAA adjust that? I expect them to because I think it's completely unrealistic to think that Montana is going to get 29 practices between January 18th and February 27th. That that would mean that the Grizz would have to practice 29 out of 39 days. That's That's weather permitting. I mean, that's weather permitting. That's uh, facilities permitting. That's um, – health department letting you do it. So there's a lot of different factors that maybe have nothing to do with any of this revenue stuff. And then you compounds with what is the cost-benefit analysis of this uh, in terms of what it's going to cost you and what you're going to make. I think if Montana can get anybody in the stadium, that's going to be a huge deal to push it forward because I never thought about this element, but that was a great point you just made, Justin, about the the stimulation of the local economy. If there's people that Mm -hmm. can come to town to go to the games, that's an influx of money that I think that I think, and that's one thing I respect about Bobby Houck so much. He's a Montanan and he understands how big of a, a revenue generator his football program is. That was his number one statement when the fall season got canceled. He said, This means a lot to a lot of people, but this is actually financially essential for a lot of people around the state of Montana, particularly in Missoula. And so he understands that part of it. So I, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a great point. I'm just thinking about, I think if they can maybe get people in the stadium, it makes me reconsider. I just think that the the preparation of it and getting all of it ready to go by February 27th just seems like a gigantic task. Yeah, and I'll just add one other thing in this that we haven't mentioned is that, you know, there's sort of some, some uncertainty. We don't have a lot of data on this virus, right? And, you know, there's incidents. One thing we know that happens after a virus is, is there's incidents of myocarditis, right? A, a heart situation. And so people are concerned about, you know, if players have COVID and we push them to get back in onto the field. And we talked about that with Ohio State earlier. There's some maybe long-term health risks or immediate risks that they're exposed to post-COVID. Um, and that's a part of this as well. The risks to the players want to just sort of, we mentioned the mental health aspect of not being able to play, but there's some real health risks associated with coming back to play too quickly if you happen to get the virus. That's a great point. Riley, I mean, anything to add to all of this? Because I, I do think that we, we've circled it to, to say that we're not necessarily optimistic, but we understand the necessity. I just think this could go every single different way. There's no way to really predict any of this. I agree with that. And I think the three of us really have taken it to the next level, though, of analysis of, okay, yes, cost compared to what it could do for a community and the marketing aspect of the brand of the University of Montana. All of those things need to be weighed at the same time. And time is honestly the word here that's the X factor in all of it. Because I think if, and there's circulation out there, there's conversations of, hey, maybe we try pushing this thing to mid to late March. That is absolutely happening right now within Big Sky circles. And would that make a difference, Justin? Everything in between. So, I, you know, that to me is maybe the the final X factor that that I'll leave it on is just, boy, I mean, if we push it later, does that make a bigger difference? Well, so we'll get you out of here on this then, Justin. 
we talk on this show frequently about the difference between private fundraised money and state subsidized money. The University of Montana, I thought that, uh, you know, first plug for us, Grizz Grace, the, the 25th anniversary of the, or the silver anniversary of the 1995 national champs, breaking down that 25th anniversary of the 95 team. But one thing that we talked about with both former athletic director Wayne Hogan and former athletic director Jim O'Day was the way that the success at Montana, especially with football, was not necessarily all roses. It was a great thing because it helped generate so much more revenue. It helped generate such a great brand. It helped increase enrollment. But it also made it so that the state thought Grizz football was so dominant and so sustainable that they continued to cut funding from the state level every single year. And now University of Montana is in the top 50 football programs in terms of the least amount of percentage of their athletic department budget that's supplemented. It's less than 40%. I think it came in about 36, 37% last year. And that's on par with schools like West Virginia. Not We're not talking schools like Eastern Washington and UC Davis who are getting 80 to 85% of it supplemented. So then... I know we don't have the crystal ball. We don't have the answer to that. But it seems to me that playing spring football will be a potentially seven-figure and maybe even multi-million dollar investment when it's all said and done, when it comes to testing, travel, logistics, the marketing of the games, whatever. It's not going to be the huge um, expense when it comes to putting 26,500 people in that stadium, but there are going to be expenses involved with it. But regardless of where the money is going to come from, private or state subsidy, in your mind, is there a cost that's too much? Because what I'm thinking of right now, Justin, is basically the spring football season could be a gigantic commercial for the University of Montana. What cost Mm -hmm. is too much of a cost for said commercial? Well, I mean, I think you break it down two ways. If if, If it's too costly in the sense that it forces us to to sort of um, cut other sports entirely, that's an important conversation Certainly. to have. Um, and then, and then the human cost, like if, if, if proceeding with the games just sort of puts the community at risk and the players at risk and all the other associated employees at risk, that's an important part of it. I mean, I don't have the answers to those two questions. I would certainly hesitate if, you know, pushing forward with the, the football season was explicitly going to mean that you'd have to cancel other sports completely, I'd be hesitant at that. Um, but but that sort of would be my first reaction of how to think about the problem. He's Justin Angle. It's the business angle. Every other Tuesday, this is the first Tuesday of 2021, so we'll be back in two weeks. Justin Angle from the University of Montana Business School breaking down all the elements of the business side of sports, particularly when it comes to Division One college athletics, presented by Blackfoot Communications in Missoula. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. It's always fascinating, and we'll catch up with you here in a couple weeks. Sounds good, fellas. Be well. Thanks, Justin. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Thanks so much for Blackfoot Communications. That's a really insightful, and uh, I think – I think from a journalist perspective, it's one of the most important things we do because the money is important and it's not because of the analysis and or um, the scrutiny of money or greed or anything like that. It's because these are state institutions. This is taxpayer money. People are paying the salaries of the people that are conducting these things. So it's very important to understand the money element of it. And he does such a great job, too, of explaining it and really (laughs) kind of bridging the gap. Because here's the thing. We get the question all the time. We circle back to it in the first hour. We've gotten the question how many times? Is there going to be spring football? Right. Well, that conversation right there gives you a 
much better scope of what every what the decision makers are going through right now to if there is going to be spring football. Those are the conversations being had. Yes, we're going to lose money, but is it going to be worth it from a brand marketing perspective? You have to ask that question, though, for Montana and Montana State, but you also have to ask that question for Idaho State, Northern Colorado, when you're talking about sure. getting the league on the same page. So those conversations need to happen at every school, and everyone needs to be aligned. Needless to, to what I'm saying, long story short, there is a lot that has to happen for this to be successful or to go out without a hitch. Nuana's now Riley Corker, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Colter Nuana's in studio. NFL picks against the spread. Next. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications can Connect to more. This is an important question, Corcoran. Do you like the Beatles? Yes. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I still haven't found anybody that agrees with me. You don't? I hate the Beatles. Come on. It's like I told Tommy in a uh, moment of, um, I'm not going to say clarity, but in a, a rambling 45-minute statement, I uh, I fully acknowledge that the Beatles are the most influential, most prolific, and most important band in the history of modern music. They still suck. <laughs> Take Led Zeppelin all day. Nuana's now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television, statewide on the TV and worldwide on the stream, 102.9 ESPN.com. Stream, all you got to do is click on the Listen Live button. Stream is presented by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Stay tuned later on this week. Have our coach's corner back in full swing as well. We'll let you know who we're going to line up for that. I got a couple different options. It's been kind of tenuous with the sputtering start of prep sports, but we'll certainly circle back around. Tease for tomorrow, Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television, the main man. I told him I'm going to make him 10 times as famous as he already is, and he's already the most famous person I know besides the voice of the Grizz here, Riley Corcoran, who's sitting in studio with me, and we got to get to it because it seems like we got a lot of time left in the show, but as soon as you start talking about the NFL, the time just evaporates. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, he wants his crack. The games aren't until Saturday and Sunday, but the NFL playoffs are upon us. We got, count them, six games, three on Saturday, three on Sunday, and uh, Riley wants to do a little picks against the spread. So let's start breaking down the matchups. Let's start with the very first game, Indianapolis Colts at the hottest team in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills. Bills getting, I guess uh, the Colts are getting seven in Buffalo. Minus seven for the Bills. Seven-point favorites for Buffalo. What's your take? I tell you what, this is a super wild card weekend. I love the fact that literally between 11 o'clock and 9.30 on Saturday and Sunday, we've got NFL. It's so hard right now. I know that Indy is solid in, in many areas, and they've been a good team. they got the veteran quarterback. How can you go against the Bills right now? I don't. Right. Th- I mean, for all the the gamblers out there, teaser. This is a teaser weekend. I sure. think first off, you tease the Bills down to win the game. That's pretty safe. I'd still lay the points. I, I think the Bills right now are a well-oiled machi- well oiled machine. And here's the the underlying factor too that no one's really talking about. They were motivated to win 
even more once they knew fans could come in. Bills Mafia is real. And I yeah. think a lot of last week's game against Miami was big and looking down the road, they wanted the two seat because that would allow them another home game and for the crazy reason that Kansas City could get upset, the AFC Championship might come through Buffalo. So I'm taking the Bills to cover. I think they, they keep it rolling to make another statement. The Bills were such a punchline for so long because of the four Super Bowl losses that then led into one of the longest droughts in NFL history without making the playoffs. But here we are now, and the Bills have actually made the playoffs three times in four seasons under Sean McDermott. They've won 60% of their games under McDermott, and this will be their third uh, time in four years appearing in the wild card round. They have then, in fact, lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017 in the wild card round, lost to the Houston Texans in 2019. But it, it's funny because we think of the perennial playoff contenders, and everybody that follows the NFL, they know they can rattle them off the top of your head. You know, it's, the Seahawks are always right there. Recently, the Rams have been right there. Uh, recently, the Titans. Uh, of course, the Saints for the better part of the decade, the Steelers for the better part of our ever, our <laughs> lives, um, and the Ravens, you know. But the Bills are not really in that mix. But do you feel like the fact that the Bills actually have suffered, uh, that, first of all, have experienced playoff um Games and then have suffered playoff heartbreaks, does that actually kind of ease your tension of the upset alert? Absolutely. To me, to me if the Bills were the, as hot as they are right now and they were 13-3 and three and they were first-time AFC East champions, but they hadn't made the playoffs the last couple of years, I would say pump the brakes. Give me Indy to at least cover and maybe to win, but I think that the fact they've been there before helps them, right? I think so, too, and those are such unassuming games. When you were listening to Buffalo and Jacksonville a couple right. of years ago, Buffalo and Houston in that the, the first game of the weekend that really no one normally cares about. Yep. That You forget the fact that they have had sustained success and what has been the monkey on their back the entire time. What has been in their way? The entire time of being elite. The New England Patriots. The New England Patriots. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Well, guess what? That's out the window. This is their time. I think everything is coming together. Just, I would challenge anybody, what don't you like about the Bills right now? Because they seem to have it all and that experience that you might not have thought of. They have that too. So I think they're ready for the moment. The Colts have been completely different on their path to 11-5 and than I think a lot of people thought. The narrative coming into the year was... Uh, overwhelmingly the best offensive line in football. They've been good up front, but have not run the ball with nearly the authority that I think people expected. Part of that's Marlon Mack tearing his Achilles week one. Part of that's Jonathan Taylor taking until the last month of the season to adjust to the NFL game. I mean, he is a... Last week. He, he is an amazing athlete. But he was running face first in the line. It shows you that just being big, strong, and fast doesn't get you anywhere. You have to have vision. He was running right in the back of the line and averaging like 3.2 yards per carry for the first couple months of the year. Last week, he lets the place develop. But what is he, he goes for like 30, 30 touches for 250 yards and yeah. a couple touchdowns. The Derrick Henry status right there. Yeah. Not only with vision, but numbers too. I, I think another factor in all this, too, is the Colts seem that they've had all the pieces in place, right? Because they wanted to build around Andrew Luck. Well, sure. we all know what happened with Andrew Luck. Right. So the narrative but they, but they put the offensive line in place to protect Andrew Luck. Exactly. And so now they have that, but what's a missing piece? I know they got Phillip Rivers, but is he really a guy you think can lead you to a Super Bowl? No. So it feels like they have all the pieces around that they need except for a quarterback. So I'm interested to see, and I also think just way off the mark a little bit, but uh, Frank Reich, Carson Wentz, they had a pretty good relationship. Don't be surprised if Carson Wentz might be going to the Colts. Ooh, that's pretty interesting. Um, the other factor, too, though, is, and this is, <laughs> you're you're relatively, uh, you're, you're not tired of me harping on the same things like <laughs> I always go back to yet. So I'm just going to re-engage and just go for it. It is Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television.
I completely understand the way that the NFL itself and the national media promotes the NFL. They promote it from the easiest way for people to understand it. The easiest way for people to understand professional football is through the lens of the head coach and the quarterback, and those are certainly the two most important factors to playing championship football. And they promote it through the lens of fantasy football because almost everybody plays fantasy now. And now we're getting some gambling action and stuff like that too. But when you look at the the Colts, everybody wants to talk about Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers. Everybody wants to talk about the offensive line and the emerging young skill position guys and the run game that's been lackluster but now seems to be coming into full scope. But here's the most undertold story about the Colts. The Colts are one of the most ferocious teams in the league on defense. They absolutely bang. Darius Leonard is one of the best tone-setting linebackers in the league. DeForest Buckner, in my opinion, is the most underrated interior defensive lineman in the league. The Colts have been getting by... They've been scoring points, to be sure, but they've been getting by because of their defense. They've had some impressive performances. That Thursday night game where they took Tennessee to task, that's probably the game that, well, not probably, it is the game that helped them eventually then make it into the playoffs. So don't sell the Colts short on defense. The other factor in this game that I'm interested in, and I totally agree with your pick. I do think the, the Bills can cover this thing, especially in Buffalo. But... Everybody knows about the K-Gun offense and Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and Andre Reid and, and all those guys and, and um, you know the great run that they went on in the early 1990s that then ended in heartbreak four years in a row with four Super Bowl losses. But Jim Kelly was hurt one of those playoff runs. And Frank Reich led what, uh, to that point, was the greatest comeback in NFL playoff history and still remains one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history. People forget that Frank Reich was a pretty darn good quarterback himself. So you just wonder if that's a factor one way or the other. Frank Reich going against his former team, is that a, a a boost for the Colts, or is it one of those where, man, the ghost of Mario Levy is haunting me, I can't take down the Bills, right? <laughs> I think maybe more the latter than anything else. No, we'll, we'll see. That's interesting because you're going to see it on the broadcast. How many times are they going to go back and replay that, too, with the miracle that ended up happening? No question. <laughs> to me, this is the last note on, on this game. Almost every coach in this playoff field has some sort of like brand name recognition. The, the two guys in the playoff field, to me, that don't get enough credit are the two guys in this game. Fascinating. It, it, I think Frank Reich and Sean McDermott are both great coaches. I think Sean McDermott is a, I mean, what did I just say? He's been at the playoffs three or three four years with the Buffalo Bills. They were not in the playoffs for our whole lives. He's a top five NFL coach right now. I mean, McDermott is great, yes. man. And the consistency they've honed, the way they develop. I mean, Josh Allen was a potential train wreck when he first came in the league, and now he's one of the best oh. players in the league. So uh, they deserve a lot of credit. Nuan is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Rams, Seahawks. The Seahawks are obviously, um, well, yeah, you don't want to say obviously, actually. The Seahawks have some factors that make them a favorite in this game. They are, by the way, a uh, four-point favorite in this game in Seattle. But the Rams have rested their laurels on a couple of the premier players in the NFL, and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey all year long. Jared Goff being out, I think, is a is a big factor, or I guess questionable at least. He did have surgery on his thumb. He's not completely ruled out yet, but I just can't imagine that he's going to be able to be at full strength. Where are you at with this game? I think it. we talked about it a little bit yesterday, the divisional matchup, the nature of this, the fact they played a couple of weeks ago. It's it's more going to be about the intangibles than maybe any other game this weekend. I guess Brown Steelers, another divisional matchup that could fall into that realm as well. 
But to me, regardless of who's at quarterback, you can't not take the points here. I, I think that getting points with the Rams in a divisional game, it'd be different if CenturyLink was completely packed. No question. And it, and it was a different dynamic with the home field advantage. But the fact there's no home field advantage, really, the Rams just made that trip two weeks ago. I get it. They might have a, a not a, a crazy quarterback situation, but I think grabbing those points uh, might be a little bit beneficial. But definitely on the, the confidence factor, not very high. Here's what we're going to do. we got four games left to pick. We're running out of time, so we're going to get out. We'll be right back. We're going to pick the uh, the Bucks, washington football team, the Ravens-Titans, the Bears-Saints, and the Browns and Steelers. Nuwana's now with Riley Corkin right after this. Golter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn, also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Reese is having too fun, too much fun. Yes, back he there. is. He was killing it. He was getting compliments, and then all of a sudden, we're listening to the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> As funny and unintentionally funny as this is, this is still such far superior pop music to some of the trash that's getting promoted on the old YouTube this day and age. We're not going to go down that road because we're almost out of time already. Nuana's now, 1290 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television, Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, joining me in studio. If you missed anything in either of the first two hours, Riley and I did a whole bunch of stuff, including a pretty fun speculative conversation about uh, hypothetical quarterback fits for both Jeff Choate and Bobby Houck. We also shared a bunch of youth sports news. Business Angle with Justin Angle. Great conversation about the validity of a spring football season from a financial perspective at the college level, particularly in the state of Montana. And, of course, NFL picks against the spread, which is what we continue doing right now. we got to get through it, Riley. So let's let's hear what you got. The last game on Saturday, Tampa and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Washington football team, the Bucks. Minus eight and a half. That's a big number, especially on the road. Did you see what the phenom Chase Young said about uh, maybe the the goat of in Tom Brady? No, what did he say? He said, "I want Tom Brady. I want to play Tom well, Brady." You know, of all the people that were talking smack, I think that talking smack about Tom Brady is very foolish. But that said, I think the only guy that can talk smack to any person on the earth that he wants to is Chase Young. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Aaron said, be careful what you wish for. Again, folks out there, this is a teaser. This is gold in a teaser. I, laying eight and a half is tough, but to me, it's either you're taking Tampa or you're staying away. I, To me, 
Not to, not betting against Tom Brady in the playoffs, especially with called out. You know Tampa, it's, they've kind of been slow playing it a little bit, right? They've went through their ups and their downs throughout the year, but they've been waiting for this moment. I think they're going to be ready to go. Might be an interesting cover late, but it's either Tampa or no bet for me. I think the Skins, especially if you can tease it up, could give them a game because I do think the Skins are tough. They've been playing better. They're one of the more improved teams the second half of the year. Uh, but I just don't know where they get any sort of offensive production to keep up with Tampa Bay. Watch out for that Mike Evans injury. He still hasn't gotten diagnosed yet, but that could be one that if he's in, Tampa Bay can roll. If he's not, it could hurt him a little bit. The game of the weekend, in my opinion, I know you agree, it's the uh, fourth, fourth-seeded Titans versus the fifth-seeded Ravens. It's in Tennessee. The Ravens are a three-point favorite. So are you surprised by the line? I am surprised that they're a road favorite. I, I figured it might be Tennessee minus one or two just because of home field. And then you go into the fact of how much are the odds makers putting in home field. We just had that same argument last segment about Rams Seahawks. How much are they valuing home field this year compared to years past? But if you just told me that these two were playing on a neutral field, I would take the Ravens. So in that regard, maybe it doesn't surprise me too much. The, the more fascinating number might be the over-under being 56. But to me, I called it a month ago. I, I'm on this Ravens team. I know that we're pretty much in agreement on this, but I'd lay the points. I think the Ravens will win this game and Coulter. They're going to give Kansas City quite the score Ooh, next okay, week. Okay, okay, okay. Coming down in it on the last minute, furious and fast. We don't have to waste any time okay. on this. Bears at Saints. Saints, Saints are a minus 10-point favorite. Take it all. Saints. I would take the Saints if they're 100-point favorites. Yep. Get the Chicago Bears out of here. Worst <laughs> team in the entire NFL playoff field. Last game, a rematch of last week, the Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh, six-point favorites. I'm actually surprised that this is a six-point favorite for the Steelers. I think they'll win, but I think six is too much. I would have said three and a half. It started at three and a half. It went to six and a half because mm. the Browns had five COVID positives. Right, Kevin Stefanski right. tested positive for COVID. Pittsburgh's been kind of building for this. I don't like this game whatsoever. This would be probably the, the least confident out of the six against the number, but ugh, I'd probably take the Steelers at home with a arrested Big Ben and a Mike Tomlin. You heard it here first. We'll revisit some picks against the spread later on this week. I know Sean Rainey wants to get in the mix. And by the way, Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television, he'll be here tomorrow. He wants to talk about the best and worst coaching openings in the NFL. I wonder which one he thinks is the best. Maybe the mm, Los Angeles football Chargers. Yeah, I'd say so. We got a couple other things for you, too. We got Desperado Wings. We got our ESPN Roundtable. It's a great day to be alive. It's a great week to be alive. Happy New Year, everybody. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.